Welcome to War Stories. I'm Preston Stewart, and this is a show where we talk about America's military history through the lens of individual acts of heroism and valor. Enjoy. All right, today we've got the story of Sergeant Thomas Baker and his actions throughout the Battle of Saipan in June and July of 1944. The Battle of Saipan would take place in the Pacific Theater during the Second World War against Japanese forces, and it would be the first battle in the overall Operation Forager, which would be the taking of the Mariana Islands. The Mariana Island campaign, when you look on the map, is the successive movement as the United States moves from Hawaii further and further to get within range of the Japanese home islands. So the Marianas were strategically important for both sides. For the Americans, the Marianas were close enough to be able to range Japanese home islands with bombers. For the Japanese, the Marianas were a naval hub, and it was a it was a part of Japanese territory prior to the war. So there was a little more sense of control, a little more sense of uh, responsibility to hold those islands. Saipan is the northernmost island in the Mariana chain. Just south of, of Saipan is Tinian, another battle that would take place during the, during the uh, Operation Forager. And about 100 miles south is uh, Guam. So you would see during the course of Operation Forager, Saipan would be hit first. And once operations were pretty well wrapped up on Saipan, U.S. forces moved on to Guam, then Tinian, then Peleliu, much further south, and Angor. So it's important that Saipan is the first major battle during Operation Forager. It's be- because of this, there's another part that kicks off almost simultaneously. You know, we always, when we step back and look at military history, it's easy to put these things on a timeline and on a map. And it's, but it's, we're quick to forget that just because the landings were taking place on Saipan on 15 June doesn't mean that the rest of the war stopped. In fact, the Japanese were focused on a knockout blow of the U.S. Navy. There were a couple things within Japanese strategy that we'll talk about here with Saipan, but on the naval side, they're looking for a knockout blow. They The first swing, I'll say, was during Pearl Harbor, and it was designed to cripple the U.S. Navy to where we couldn't react as Japanese, as Japanese forces held onto their territory and continued their expansion. That's always in the mind of the Japanese leadership and military planners is this one big decisive naval battle. It would never come, not in how they envisioned it. There would be pretty substantial naval battles, and one of them kicks off right as American forces are starting to assault Saipan. So you know, it'd be great if the entire American armada could focus their energy on one island or on one campaign, but we just, you just can't. There's too many other things happening. And this is a great example. As the landings are taking place on Saipan, the Japanese Navy under, learns where the American Navy is and comes after them and what they are hoping could be this decisive blow to knock the American Navy out of the war. You know, how are we going to take back islands if we don't have the naval power to do so. They attack American forces. They, they, they move towards American forces. And what ensues is known as the Battle of the Philippine Sea. The Battle of the Philippine Sea was a two-day battle on June 19th and 20th that would prove 
catastrophic for the Japanese. This is important in the Battle of Saipan, but I'll quickly move through it. The, the Battle of the Philippine Sea is also referred to as the Mariana Turkey Shoot because of the, the volume, the amount of Japanese planes that were shot down compared to American planes. There was an American fighter pilot that, that landed and said it's like an old-fashioned turkey shoot, meaning it was easy. The end of the Battle of the Philippine Sea saw almost 3,000 Japanese sailors and airmen killed. They lost three carriers and almost and around 600 aircraft. That action, they, they moved to attack the American fleet rather than reinforce their garrison on Saipan. And in doing so, kind of sacrificed their ability to do that for a long period of time. The Navy was severely crippled after the Battle of the Philippine Sea and really wouldn't come back to their full strength again in the war. In turn, just a few days into the Battle of Saipan, the soldiers on that island, about 30,000 strong, understand that they are not going to be resupplied. They are not going to be reinforced. They're on their own. So the Battle of Saipan starts to see, um, it's been seen in other places, but it's, it's understood quickly in this battle that the, it's going to be a fight to the death for the Japanese forces. Enter Sergeant Thomas Baker, who's serving with Alpha Company, 1st Battalion, 105th Infantry Regiment, part of the 27th Infantry Division on Saipan. And he's awarded the Medal of Honor for a series of events during this battle. It's about a three-week battle from American forces land on 15 June. And by 9 July, about three-ish weeks later, we call operations complete. There's still Japanese holdouts on the island. There's still going to be attacks and mopping up operations, but kind of the large scale intense combat takes place over that three week period. The 105th is the 105th, um, the 105th uh, infantry regiment, excuse me, is, is moving along the Western side of the Island as they move North and the Japanese forces retreating further and further to the Northern tip of Saipan. One day as they're making this push, their unit is pinned down. Smith's unit is pinned down by enemy fire. He grabs a bazooka, maneuvers under fire, forward about 100 yards from the enemy position, fires, destroys the bunker. Incredible act by itself. A few days later, he finds and destroys a couple large groups of enemy soldiers by himself. And we'll talk about the action and then why he was coming across those things. So he's on the lookout for, well, let me do that the other way around. One of the Japanese strategies on the ground, we've already talked about the naval strategy, but on the ground was just to simply inflict damage on American soldiers, inflict casualties. It was understood and I'd, I'd say believed that America would grow tired of hearing that we were losing soldiers and Marines on these islands we never heard of. Remember, a part of this campaign is going to hit an island called Tinian. How many Americans knew of Tinian? And part of the Japanese bet was that Americans would hear Tinian or Saipan and hear that 3,000 Americans have been killed and would say enough already. What are we doing fighting for this 40 square mile island? That's tiny. It's closer to Japan than it is the United States. What are we doing out there? That influences the German, the, excuse me, that influences the Japanese tech, tactics and techniques. So what you would see on the island of Saipan would be a defense in depth. And not a defense in depth that you might see 
um, in conventional warfare, but a little more unconventional. There wouldn't, there weren't defined lines that you would fall back to like world war one in the trenches where you'd have the primary trench and multiple trenches behind it. that You could fall back through instead. There would just be little pockets, a bunker in the jungle or a, a reinforced strong point on a crest randomly. They were tied in. I don't mean to diminish the, the military, um, the, the military knowledge and then the, the smarts put into and placing these, but they were at the same time designed to harass and kill as American forces bypassed them. And that is what Thomas Baker was preventing or was aiming to prevent with his unit as he was kind of looking out for rear guard action. So as they're moving through an area, he's watching their rear to make sure that there aren't enemy soldiers in small groups hiding out to ambush his unit after they've already passed through exactly what happens and that's what he finds so as they're moving through he comes across a group of 12 japanese soldiers despite being outnumbered 12 to 1 he jumps in assaults and kills all 12 continuing on still in his rear guard action it's not the right way to say that he's protecting uh the rear of the element against an enemy attack a surprise enemy attack once more stumbles across six additional japanese fighters once again, engages and kills all six himself. That brings us to the morning, early morning, about three o'clock in the morning on July 7th, 1944. As he sits with his unit, the 105th Infantry Regiment, really at the, the tip of the American lines, pushing the Japanese further and further back to the north of the island, they experience what becomes the largest suicide attack in the Second World War, in the Pacific Theater of the Second World War. Approximately 4,000 Japanese soldiers and civilians, wounded and able-bodied alike, charged the American lines, overrun the American lines in a desperate attack, a desperate last stand, last stand, last attack. Um, there were people on crutches, just crutching towards the American positions. They got mowed down. There were reports of women and children. There were elderly. There were people carrying sticks as weapons. There were approximately 20,000 civilians killed on Saipan. And in that mix, you have, again, it's a Japanese-held island for 30, plus, 30 or so years. So you do have Japanese civilians that would have been engaging or attempting to engage American forces. There was absolutely collateral damage. Um unintentional, hopefully, um, actions that, that took civilian lives. But kind of a theme has been, in, across the board, a theme in the Second World War is that there just wasn't a lot of consideration for civilian casualties, and they got hung up in the middle a lot. It happened in Saipan. But there were also civilians that took up arms and joined with the Japanese to assault the American lines in the morning of July 7th. So... Early in the fighting, Sergeant Baker is wounded, pretty severely wounded, but he continues to engage in what becomes hand-to-hand -hand combat for a long period that morning. This, this, this bonsai assault wouldn't be wiped out for 15 hours. It would go on half the day. He, severely wounded, is evacuated. Like soldiers carrying him out of the battlefield, off the battlefield, because his weapon has been so damaged from using it in hand-to-hand -hand combat that it's not functional anymore. The soldiers moving Sergeant Baker off the battlefield. Sergeant Baker yells at him and says, I would rather be left for dead 
then risk your life carrying me off the battlefield. No more. Soldier puts him down, props him up against the tree. Sergeant Baker asks for a pistol. He is handed one with eight rounds right in the teeth of the Japanese assault. When the battle is completed, Sergeant Baker is found, propped against the tree where he was left with eight dead Japanese fighters surrounding his position. He sat there at the tree and used every round he had, continuing his defense, continuing to repel the enemy assault until at the age of 28, he was killed. On the morning or midday, July 7th, 1944, during the Battle of Saipan. For his actions throughout this couple-week battle, time and time again, engaging superior enemy forces. And, and it didn't stop until the last minute when he was overrun and out of ammunition. For his actions, Sergeant Thomas Baker would be awarded the United States Medal of Honor. Hey, thanks for listening to War Stories. If you get a chance, it'd mean an awful lot if you could head over to Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a review. It helps others to, to find the show. But thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.